coach. Oh, uh, retired, semi-retired uh, interim and head coach of many uh, college football teams. Also worked on the Saints for a little while. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, I think that's a bunch of crap, man. They get these games where they ain't got nobody playing, a bunch of scabs and all that. And, uh, I mean, I ain't calling kids scabs, but, I mean, they're like fourth round and, you know, fifth round and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, speaking of, you know, a lot of people say my, my LSU Tigers ain't going to do nothing because uh, with the bowl game because they ain't got nobody and, uh, you know, they got everybody going well. For one thing, it's because they got a lot of talent my team, baby, and they go on that NFL. They're going to get that real money. They're going to get that Coach O, 16.5, two blonde chicks on the side money, you know what I'm saying? And um, another reason is, um, well, right now they got uh, that coronavirus and um, – then we had the, the, the transfer portal, uh, whatever they call that thing, where they, they uh, transport and, like, Star Trek, when them, them players go boom, they go from one team to another. But, you know, I am Coach O, bitch. And, hey, look, we don't really have a quarterback, but um, I'm thinking we could throw Danny Warfel in there. I mean, that boy, he was good in that system Spurrier <laughs> had. You know, he had his uh, helmet turned sideways with them Saints and all. Kind of looked like Ian Book the other day, I mean. Hey, I ain't comparing Book to, to uh, Werfel. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong there. Werfel was a good college quarterback. We got a bowl game to win because I am Coach O, bitch, and I'm going to put that boy in there. I'm going to come on the sideline. I'm going to be a little boy. All right, I'm going to reappoint myself interim coach. I'm going to put Danny Werfel in there. We're going to win that game. Go Tigers. Welcome to the Sports Antelope episode number 81. I'm your host, Danny Belts, The Long Walk. We'll get into that. 43-29 and 29 on the year. What a run. 2-0 and 0 on last week's picks. And the other one, Memphis game, got canceled. We'll be getting into the rest of the plays that we left up to Instagram but are not going to play and go over the new plays for the upcoming segment. Saints-Dolphins actually played on Monday night. A further indictment. The NFL does not care about the New Orleans Saints. That's ridiculous. That, that game was not canceled. We'll touch on that briefly. Not really much current events today. However, one quick Omicron fact that'll probably make you laugh. No bench, no bro, just me. Like I said, the plays to come. Talk about the long walk and a funny story about the Rutgers bowl game they're going to get to play, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> Matter of fact, let's just lead off with that. So a buddy of mine that I went to school with is a huge Rutgers fan. And he's from Jersey, blah, blah. And... Before the season started, he bet me a steak dinner at Outback, or excuse me, at Roos Roos Chris. I asked him, I was like, was this Outback or Roos? It's Roos Chris that Rutgers would not win a bowl game. Well, I told him, you're not even going to a bowl game, and lo and behold, they didn't. So we have a plan in February when he comes in town, we're going to hit up the Roos Chris, but lo and behold, Texas A&M, and yes, once again, here we go, and they cock, yes, Pull out of the bowl game, out goes Aggie, Texas ass to mouth, and in comes Rutgers. Albeit they're a 15-point dog, he has a chance to win this. Because a team dropped out and Rutgers is now in a bowl game, I might have to pony up 200 smokes somehow. Watch that quarterback for Wake get COVID. (laughs) This is just ridiculous. And you know Shiano is going to do everything he can to muck this game up. Unbelievable. That'd be the worst sports beat ever. 
You bet that someone doesn't win a bowl game, they don't even go, and then all of a sudden a team goes out and magically that team comes in. I mean, that right there disproves atheism once again. How is there not a God? He's laughing at me. <laughs> Unbelievable. Saints-Dolphins. Wow. So the Saints have a record amount of people out in the history of pro football, 27 players, four coaches. Every other team got to move those games to Tuesday, the week and the week before that, not the Saints. They play on Monday night with an eighth-string quarterback, practice squad people at guard, receivers I've never heard of. The entire football team was out. Had they waited till Tuesday, 16 of those players would have played. The Saints probably win. Instead, now their season's probably over, and it's a shame because when their defense is intact, they have probably the best defense in the NFL. Go ask Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Mac Jones. They'll tell you firsthand. What a disaster. Uh, that, if you don't believe now, after the pass interference call, the bounty gate now making the Saints play, this is just absurd. Pulling the Super Bowl out of New Orleans six years ago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Goodell and the NFL just love the Big Easy. Still never understand why, but it's just death taxes and, and that. Uh, and belts can't lose. So add those four in. Uh, no current events today. Good for you guys, except for one Omicron stat. Now, I told this to my buddy a couple days ago because it just hit me sideways. I was making an example of how many more things have killed people than the Omicron. And as of five days, and he told me that someone had already said it, and it was Ben Shapiro. I hadn't listened to Shapiro in a couple weeks. I've been tied up. But of course, he would think of this. But in the analogy of all the things that I had, I threw in this as well. Only one person has died to date. This is a few days ago of the Omicron variant. It was an old man in the UK. I think Scotland. I think. Uh, but that's a fact. Only one person that they, that they can pin this back to has been him. And I said, that's funny because I went through a bunch of things. But I said, and the best thing is O.J. Simpson. O.J.'s killed two people. So he's twice as deadly as the Omicron. And he started laughing. And he said, Shapiro said that. And I'm like, man, what hasn't that guy said? He's jacking my material ahead of time. Minority Report. He saw it coming. But it's true. Only one person. But let's shut down all sports while this just goes through. This head cold, not killing anyone. Unbelievable. Everyone's asymptomatic nearly. Just what a disaster. What a disaster. OJ is indeed, though, twice as deadly as the Omicron variant. In fact, how much, and if, if he's twice as deadly, how much deadlier are the Clintons? I mean, the Clintons have killed, what, 50? I mean, <laughs> yeah, Jeff Epstein killed himself. Sure. <laughs> no bench, no bro. They're out. Holiday stuff. <clears throat> Let's recap last week. We'll bang this out real quick. I want to get into the story. We're going to have a short episode. I know everyone's getting holiday mode still with the weekend approaching with New Year's Eve and New Year's. So hopefully you guys can listen to this and enjoy it. Uh, we had UH plus two and a half. Crazy game. Uh, UH tit for tat with Auburn. Really gritty red zone defense per usual with that team. Score a late touchdown to take the lead. Uh, getting two and a half points when they scored there was basically it. You kind of had the feeling they were going to score there at the end as Auburn's defense was worn down. They're outplayed, outcoached. The dog wins outright. Good win for us. Oregon, Oklahoma last night over 62. Went over 80. Probably could have went over 100. Uh, had those games, pan had the first half panned out like we thought. First half still went over. So that's the other one. 43 and 29. Now the ones that we put up to and Memphis was canceled. The M Memphis game minus 8 was off the board. Canceled versus Hawaii as Hawaii's entire team hit the transfer portal. Uh, we talked about Michigan State and Tennessee. 
We didn't post it on Instagram at the time. Those lines have changed so much since then. We're just going to leave those to be. Um, we're not going to touch it. I do like the Tennessee over still, even with Purdue missing these receivers, but I'm not touching that. I think Tennessee could route them. It was at four and a half. Now it's at seven. So we just lost value in both games. So we're just going to leave it uh, at that. We do have a few more picks coming, though. But bowl season is going swimmingly as we have lost two. That is it. So we are really rolling through the bowl season. Um, And just as we get on some housekeeping, I found out a couple days ago that I will have to be taking a medical leave next week on the 3rd. Uh, It's not that serious, serious enough to where I'm going to be out of pocket for a few weeks. Uh, It's going to be a pretty long recovery. We're not going to be doing at least the first time. Tommy Bench will be stepping in for the first time. This is his Super Bowl. This is like Mark Stein filling in for Rush Limbaugh. I mean, this is the biggest sports, this is the biggest podcast in the country for sports, right? Of course. Tommy Bench will be filling in. That should be interesting as I'll be out maybe back the week after, probably not. Um, But I'll be emailing him some information. I won't really be able to talk as well. We'll figure it out. The podcast will go on by hook or crook. Belts will be fine, just so you know. Before we begin the story today, thanks for listening to the Sports Antelope. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Please reach out and touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antelope. Tell one person about the Sports Antelope. Reach out and touch a brother. Rate, subscribe, and review. And follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote. And like our posts, please. As Instagram continues to cuck. I look back. Last year we had some, we had some that had over 1,500 likes, and now we have more followers, and now they don't even have some of them don't even have 50 likes because they found out that we weren't on their team, and they are absolutely blocking. As a matter of fact, it's the it's never mind. I'll, I'll, people don't think that's a real thing. It, it absolutely is. Anchor won't let us advertise. The own the anchor won't let us advertise anymore on here. Uh, they took away the four or five people that were giving us five or six, 10, 20 bucks a month. And then we had another eight or 10 people come on and they stripped those out as well. There was a good, there was a handful of people throwing us some change, which we used to advertise. And now they hardly even let us do that. So whatever, we're going to keep going. We will survive. The long walk. What's the long walk? I'm glad you asked. I really am. And we're going to get back to a story uh, uh, a Belts sports story in high school. Yes, cue the rolling of the eyes of all the people listening to this, but it will make sense. Most of the sports stories I tell on here make fun of myself. Like in the only playoff game our school ever went to in baseball when I gave up back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs on four straight pitches. That has to be a world record. No one's ever done that. <laughs> and in this case, though, it's going to be a little different, and I'm going to get into this in comparison to a football game in a different angle, but I hope you understand uh, at the at its core, what I'm trying to get at. The long walk. I'm not even going to tell you what that is until the end. And so it was that after our junior year, if you don't remember, we started off like 16-0, and beating a bunch of public schools. We were ranked top 10 in the entire state of Pennsylvania at this eclectic boarding school I went to, me being the only white boy on the team. Uh, and I was playing sparingly my junior year, but got in and played. And I was able to, you know, make it to the senior year. Our junior year was an absolute fallout because we had one of the biggest locker room fallouts you've ever seen. And, and starting 16-0, barely making the playoffs and being very quickly ousted in the first round. Uh, the second season with this coach, my senior year was only worse as we did not make the playoffs. Uh, and we had a chance to, however. Let me get to the 
nitty gritty. With two games left in the re- with two conference games left in the regular season, we had to win both to get into the playoffs. And we had to play a team that we've never lost to in the history of our school, and then a team that we basically had never beat in the history of our school. So it looks as though we were going to be able to come to this one or this one or done type situation against the Christian Academy, the best team who we'd never beat. Oh, well, we beat them sometimes, but not not much at all. At least not when I was there. But they had five starters that were all going to play Division One: uh, two to LaSalle, one to Drexel, Corsi, following his brother Chris Corsi to Drexel. Um, another one, not to St. Joe's, well, uh, to Temple. They basically were going to populate all the Division One inner city Big Five schools aside from Penn, and these kids are really good. But in order to you know, even get there, we had to beat this other team, Philmont, who I just couldn't stand because they were just the white privileged team up there next to this other school named the Shipley School, which means nothing to you. But for a few people listening to this, it means a lot. They're grinning right now. Well, normally we would just beat this Philmont School by about 1,000, but in this case, things would be different apparently because that Friday, before we were to play them, on Tuesday um, – we had a mass exodus of suspension, or not a mass exodus, but a, a mass proclamation of suspension. And of those suspensions were three starters and three bench players. I was right in the middle of those. I was a spot starter and probably seventh man normally, playing about, we'll give 15 to 20 minutes a game. Not bad. Uh, but you know, contributing accordingly. Just three and D type guy, smallest guy on the court, eh, average on my best day, but could get it done. So we're missing our top two scorers, our top rebounder, basically. Um, and the only person worth a damn now was, was really Uncle Public, a person that used to come on here all the time, Uncle Public, a 5'10 power forward uh, who could basically touch the top of the backboard uh, and was just a utility player, but probably one of the best players in the conference all around. And he was going to have to step up. And as this was announced on Friday, it actually got to the paper. See, for some reason... On this, excuse me, not Tuesday, Monday night. For some reason, the, there was a bunch of snow outs before, and there was rarely any Monday games at this time in Pennsylvania. Monday was always a practice day. But we were going to play them. The Inquirer needed a story, so they were to come and cover this game, which is really crazy. The Philadelphia Inquirer, being a top 10 syndicated newspaper in the country, was going to come to this. Now, they've came to our gym before, several times. When Friend Central was there with Hakeem Wark, uh, Google that. <laughs> Mustafa Shakur, Mike Cook, those guys, McDonald's All-Americans and NBA players, and other teams too, they would come and cover this. This was a very obscure game for them to cover, but there was no other games and kind of an interesting narrative of, and everyone knew who the people out were. One of these guys almost led the state in scoring. He was averaging about 26, 27 points a game. He was out. So it was just an interesting narrative. So they were going to show up. Everyone kind of knew this. And the kind of buzz around the school was like, I'm, you know, People like me were going to have to step up, and half the JV team was going to have to sit on this bench. So now we're going to have to have a, just a ragtag group of starters. It's basically what's happening now in college bowl season. We had a bunch of opt-outs and a bunch of uh, COVIDs and a bunch of whatever, and now it's going to be a shell of the team we normally had. And on top of that, the faculty kind of rallied around. I remember Friday, people were like, go get them, go get them, go get them, belts, go get them, and we're all behind you. And I remember... Um, the, uh, the wrestling coach saying, hey, man, we got your back. We're only going to practice for a little bit, and then we're coming in there to support you guys. Actually, what happened was is the game was supposed to be – it actually got bumped down to a night game. So really now all of the 
normally not the whole school would show up, but then even the coaches were supporting all of the teams to show up and watch this one. The night games got a little rowdy in that gym. The brothers in the student section would love this one, but they would go smoking. (laughs) Oh, man, they were the best. And, uh, oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, um, so it was a buzz. You know, like, you guys are going to have to step up. We're like the New Orleans Saints playing the Dolphins, except I'm I'm Ian Book now. I'm going to have to run point, and I'm not too used to doing that. And it looked as though this team, who had better players, was probably going to come into our gym and win. Now, here's the thing. If they won, they went to the playoffs. Mm, I did not like this team. The notion of that did not go over well with me at all to have them win and go to the playoffs for the first time, beat us for the first time, and celebrate on our court just did not sit well with me, nor did it the rest of our team. We had a Saturday practice, and we went over what we were going to do. For the first time, our coach actually had a decent game plan, and so it was that basically I was going to play the entire game, so was Uncle Public, and we were going to have to pack this in, play the best zone we absolutely could, and just protect that rim because they were bigger than us and try to have a grinded out game. The exact opposite in what our offense did. We were averaging about 80-something points a game. We scored 100 multiple times. We, we scored 100 versus a 5A public school on their court uh, earlier that year. Um, we, we did it to Valley Forge where Larry Fitzgerald played football. And one day when we played them, Larry Fitzgerald, hand to Bible, was hurt on the bench over here before he had long hair. He played football for Valley Forge. Google that. He played basketball for him too. He didn't play in this game, but whatever. The point is that there was a buzz amongst the school, and we knew that this was going to be a big game. Well, when the other team, and they had already found out, when it was confirmed even to them that the other guys weren't going to play, your Glens, your Ricos, Jermaines, these guys, uh, this was a big deal for them. And then a couple guys off the bench, so they just were laughing. While they were warming up, they were like, they already won. We already won. Everyone's out. Blah, 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 blah. But things would be different. And me and Uncle Public knew we had a, we lived in the same dormitory, and him and I had a long talk about how we were going to do this and how this ain't happening. We're probably going to lose to TCA that next Friday, but not like this. We ain't going down like this. Nope, sorry. Ain't happening. At least that's what we had envisioned, and how we envisioned it wasn't too far from reality. Spoiler alert. But anyway, so they brought their entire school to our gym for, for the first time in a while, there was a packed gymnasium. We were a disappointing team that year. It was ridiculous. But this game had all of what you wanted. The paper was there. The narrative was there. And both our schools packed that gym out, standing room only, and standing right in front of concession, right in the middle of the court. We had elevated, elevated bleachers on the far side, away from the, where the players sat. And it was only one side bleachers. And a very loud gym. And our headmaster of the school, I'm sure you can't say headmaster anymore, that's probably triggering, I liked him a lot, was standing right in front of the concession stand and stood for the entire game as he even wanted to see what happened here. All the faculty, the hard-ass wrestling coach, actually he was not there at this point, he had stepped back, he was just teaching, but he was still a hard-ass wrestling coach, he's the coach now, he was the coach, this, this team, that school I went to won so many district titles, wrestling, it was ridiculous, they ran out of room with the banners, I don't even think they put them up anymore, but this was a huge deal um, for a lot of people, especially myself, because this was not just for me, but it was just a chance to just kind of, I don't know, just finally have a shot to, to see if I was really any good, to be in a pressure-filled situation, and just to see what we we're going to do, and we were ready, and our game plan was right. On the other side, we had, you know, a team that just was overconfident and a team that thought they were just going to sting their way in here. This is how this game started. 
We line up Uncle Public, all five foot ten, to line up. He's going to be center today somehow. We had no height. We had to bring in a six foot four kid from JV, but we couldn't put him necessarily at center because even though he was tall, he was too soft. So their guy was about six five, and Uncle Public would be defending him. And it, I know that sounds crazy, but it was better that he did than the other guy. But whatever, it worked out. The game plan was fine. So Uncle Public routinely with his forty inch vertical wins the toss. I get the ball. Come down and do what I never do. Just go right to the rack. That's not me. I was a shooter, and I was a set shooter, slow release. I was not an aggressive player at all. But for today, I said, nah, mm-mm. Right to the rack. I bet they didn't see that coming. And their best player bumps me as I roll to the side, throw it up. Luckily, hits the backboard, goes in and one, and the bleachers start to rumble. Matter from the ceiling starts to fall, and I just remember setting the tone very early. That's the only and one I've ever had in my entire life in varsity basketball. The first one, the end of my senior career. That shows how much I drove to the basket. Hit the free throw, we're up 3 nothing. Uncle Public steals the basketball, kicks it out to me. I jack a three and nail it, 6 nothing. I've done this before. I did it versus another school. And then the coach called timeout, pulled me out, said I was shooting too much, and I didn't play the rest of the game. True story. Unbelievable. But he had no choice to keep me in in this one. Six to nothing out the gate. They take the ball down. They shoot. They miss. Ball get kicked out to me. I come down the court, throw it up for Uncle Public, catches it in the air, gets fouled, lays it in, and one. Eight nothing. They call timeout. This game just started. This game just started. It's eight to nothing. They had 30 seconds, hadn't gone off the clock. The crowd is going insane. Insane. I just remember having complete control early of this game, and you could see it in their faces. This was not going to be what they thought. Uh uh-uh. uh. We packed it in. We, we the, the shell drill play dividends here as we did this the entire game. Uncle Public hit the free throw, nine nothing. We would basically take an 11 nothing lead, and then we held serve the entire game. They'd get it down to six. We'd get it back to 10. They'd cut it down to five. We'd get it up to 11. But the median score held between eight to 12 points for the entire basketball game. I came into the fourth quarter with about 13 or 14 points. That was my career high. I don't really remember the points I had at that point. I remember what I ended up with, but not how I got there. It doesn't matter. But I had basically played the best defensive game of my life up front as we had had to tease things a little bit and I had to start to chase this kid around a little more kind of turned into a boxing one but not really and we defensively kept these guys off the glass the JV team stepped up everybody did what they had to do in order to win this game and I remember late in the game all of a sudden we had to go back to man because of foul trouble and personnel issues zone just wasn't cutting it they started to kind of chew in a little bit so we went to man and I was way more comfortable in man So for the last few minutes, this is what we did. It hadn't occurred to me that their best player hadn't even scored yet. Um, As this is a very low-scoring game, it didn't even occur to me. I didn't even know this was the case until on the bench in a timeout, the assistant coach had mentioned it, and I had done a good job playing man with him towards the end as he was very aggressive and their best player. I'm skipping a lot of this stuff that I did because I don't want it to make it seem like this is why I'm talking about this, but I had the best game of my life by far. I did everything across the board that I never do taking charges, stealing the ball, getting a couple boards, just scrappy play, hitting the shots I needed to, just different, penetrating, things I never did. So it came late, and we are up by 12 points, 12 points, with about 45 seconds left. 
And our gym is rocking as this game is probably over. Over. And I just remember going, man, the Inquirer guy's right. You can see him. He's right there at the desk sitting in front. He's writing his stuff down. You can see it. This is, I'm like, man, am I going to be on the front page of the Inquirer? This is crazy because I guess I was kind of the star of the game. I guess. Not that it matters. I didn't really care. I just wanted to win. And I've got a funny story about the Inquirer afterward. I'll tell you what they did. But anyway, so we get to the end. We're still in man. And this dude basically isolates me at the top of the key. And he's going to try to put one on me. And I know it. He does a step back. I knew that was coming. I jump to defend the shot. I go too far. I foul him. He hits the three. And here we go. A four-point play. And now we have a nine-point lead. He hits the free throw. And now it's an eight-point lead. Eh, We still have the basketball. Not a big deal. He inbound the ball to me. I'm taking it down. And he just takes it from me. He just takes it right out of my hands. Give me that. He goes down and dunks. Now there, Jim, is shaking He just scored six points in six seconds. Now it's a two-possession game, and momentum has absolutely swung. And all of a sudden, the confidence level just left. I just remember thinking, like, we're going to lose because we were losers that year. We had a loser mentality, a loser coach. I just remember looking at all the players suspended that could not sit on the bench in the stands with their hands on their head. And by the way, they had been cheering the loudest. Some of these guys... I thought they wouldn't. Now we won't get into that. But they had been very supportive amongst the rabid fan base we had over there in the student section. We called timeout. And I just remember thinking, we're, we're probably going to lose this game. So we get the ball. We come down. And they foul. Not me. But we miss the first end of the free throw. And they get the ball. And now they have the ball. It's only down by six. We're coming into about 30 seconds now. And they shot about six threes in a row. Got missed them all. Kept getting the rebound. Finally, we get a rebound and we walk. So now there's about 20-something seconds left. They get the ball back. And I just remember thinking, this is going to get really hairy. So they have the ball. They're going to inbound it. And the kid beats me again. Goes in, lays it up, doesn't get fouled. But now it's a four-point game. And we call our last – and the last timeout is called. Now, I mean, there's 15 seconds left. This kid has just raped me. Well, he's basically, this is going to be the biggest comeback in the history of the world. I just remember thinking, man, I cannot believe this is happening. And then I just remember looking up in the crowd and staring right at one of these guys that did not play on the team. He was one of the seniors that lived in the same dorm as me and Uncle Public. And he just stared at me and I stared at We didn't even say his name was Jeff. We didn't even say he didn't say nothing. He just The look was worth 10,000 words. I just remember going, yeah. What are we doing? What is going on? We're going to let this whole game go by? No. In the, in the timeout, we're drawing up a play for one of these other guys to get the ball and get fouled. And, and I just, I basically pull a Hoosiers and I'm like, coach, give me the ball. And the assistant coach is like, McGovern, I, he's like, Belt should, <laughs> Belt should get the ball. Belt should get the ball. And everyone's like, yeah, I think we should give it to Ben. Even, even this idiot realized, yeah, maybe the senior that, Although I hadn't shot many free throws, I'd never really missed one. So, and I, it was my game. So we drop a play for me to catch it through the side, off a pick. I come up through the side, kind of beat the trap, which wasn't even a good trap. And one of them reached behind, grabbed my jersey, and fouls me with about 16 seconds left. And I knew, oh, less than that, less than 10 seconds. Now, there's still a lot that could go wrong. We're only up by four points, and it's a one and one. So I go up. 
everyone's quiet on our side because we're on the students. I'm shooting on my students. You know, we're on the favorable side at the end of the game. Now, they're loud on the other end. This is a big free throw. And I just remember going, just, I had no, I, the first one, you'd think the first one would be a big pressure-filled shot. It wasn't. I don't know why. I just felt like, mm-mm. I hit it. We're up by five. I hit the next one. We're up by six. But the game ain't over because if they hit a three, it's a one-possession game. So I remember us coming down the court. They come down the court. We're playing, man. We have no timeouts. Neither do they. I know we can't foul. I, I don't want to foul. I want to do is just make them hit a three, get this rebound, and get out of here. But I saw that when I got caught, it's going to be tough to describe, I got caught in a pick. And what happened is they were isolated. This is tough to describe. They ran pass and pick away. I got caught in the screen away. So I had to kind of, I got beat, had to pick up the other man now because we switched and we never switched. But in that switch, a lazy pass came for what looked to be a back door. And I was able to just reach out with my offhand and touch the ball. And I touched it and it went off the other kid's foot. And now it's a full-blown turnover. We have the ball back. Our crowd goes crazy. And we didn't have any timeouts. We ran the same play. I got fouled on our side, and that was it. There's five seconds left. We're in the double bonus. We're up by six. I'm not missing both of them. Even if I did, they probably still can't win. And cue the long walk. I'd always seen this on TV watching sports. It's never happened to me. But the long walk is the one where everyone knows the game is over. And the person that got fouled, Stands up like a monster, a 10-foot monster, and walks to that free throw line real slow. The long, slow walk. While all 10 players walk back to the line with the refs, and the other team knows the game is over. They're just dead. They're done. The other team, the players, know it's over. They're done. The coach is like, "Mm," they just fouled on a formality. The student section is rocking. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I took my merry-ass time walking up. Probably took me six, seven Mississippi, maybe longer to get to that line. I had a smile ear to ear, ear to ear. But I just remember what my old coach in baseball who's listening to this had told me, act like you've been there before. So instead of screaming and going nuts and pump myself up on the way up there, I just walked like I had done this 10,000 times. There was no doubt in my mind I was hitting both these free throws. I hit the first one, student section, just starts going nuts, seven-point game. Now the game's over. I make the next one. It didn't matter. It was already over. They inbound the ball, throw up some three, miss. We get the rebound. They let it run out. And we won that game with a depleted squad. We did not go to the playoffs, although we gave it our rival all they wanted. That next game, I think we lost by 10, all they wanted. But we were not able to, uh, not able to go to the playoffs. But we did play uh, uh, public school, Avangrove, at the end of the year. Uncle Public steals the ball in triple overtime and dunks it right before the buzzer for the win on the road. I started a riot. Literally, no one got hurt though. But we still are not allowed to play them twenty something years later. That is a fact, and <laughs> I'm proud of that. But anyway, when I mean riot, I just mean I went on half court and started stomping on their logo, and they didn't like that. But whatever. Anyway. The quick inquiry funny part was when I hit the last free throw, I turned to the student section and did the Scott Hall. If you don't know what that is, it's when your arms go from side to side with closed fists, making your body look like a lowercase t or a cross. And the dude took a picture, and I thought for sure that what was going to be on the front page of the inquiry, but instead it was Uncle Public <laughs> getting some rebound. 
was like, oh, well, whatever. But we won the game, and that's all that really matters. And and the thing is, that long walk, I just remember going, man, no one saw this coming. And what a feeling with a depleted squad to be able to knock these guys off. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of parallels with that in some of these college football games where no one thinks that they have a chance. Now, the story kind of goes twofold. It goes to show that just because a lot of players have opted out, air quotes, or in the transfer portal of COVID, doesn't mean that these other teams can't win. What I left out of this story was people like my younger brother who would step up to be basically a star his senior year and played some Division I basketball. Um, well, technically. And <laughs> he played a little bit for St. Joe's, mostly for Loyola. But the thing is that a lot of this, more than anything, was just um, just the fact that we, that we had done it and these JV kids that came up had done their part and no one had seen that coming. And this is happening a lot just because players are out. People's eyes get real big and they make the wrong bet. But then there's just underdogs or people possibly, they just no chance. Like no one even gave us a chance except for maybe a couple people. I don't even think the faculty in the student section, I think they're more there for support. I don't think they really thought that we could win, but we did. There are some games coming up here that will hit both sides of what I'm talking about with that story, The Long Walk. And I could have done two hours on this game. You don't have the time, and I don't have the strength. But I think you get the gist of it, or got the gist of it. When Cincinnati takes the field with Alabama coming up here, you are looking at probably the most imperfect, the most imperfect uh I guess, vision of a matchup in which I've ever seen. You see, this is not the first time a team like Cincinnati has got into the playoffs as a four seed and had to play a team like Alabama. See, it's happened, it's basically the Notre Dame effect. Notre Dame slips into the championship game kind of against Alabama years ago, gets mauled, kind of sneak into the playoffs a few years ago, not really a game. Closer than the last one for sure. Some other teams like Washington had came into the fourth as the fourth spot played Alabama once. They they couple bad. Uh, Washington held Bama defensively. This is right. This is before they benched Jalen Hurts. This is before uh, the Tua legacy would begin. The game before that happened, and before they got rid of Kiffin. But I mean, Washington didn't really have a chance. And people kind of throw Cincinnati into that category as well. Yeah, but they should not be here. And people just say, you know, that's, they don't have a shot. Well, I ask why. And the first thing that comes out of most people's mouth is, oh, did you see the Tulane game? Uh, 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 Tulane can't beat anyone and they were barely beating them. Cincinnati was down by two at halftime and Tulane, Yeoman Stadium. Yes, I understand all that. But here's what happened. Since he come off a big win, come for a 10-30 start in a muggy day in New Orleans versus a conference ride, a conference opponent on the road. And yes, they were only up or down by two points at halftime. And then they got, they won the game by double, did won the game by two, three touchdowns. Okay. Ugly win. Tulane never had a chance to win. And then Cincinnati drops in the, in, in the polls. They drop. Why? Oh, because they were all not having a good game at halftime. Okay. Well, I got something for you. In 2018, November 17th, Google it, the same, one of the same years that Bama would play Clemson, one of the 93 times in a row they'd play in the national championship, or so it felt like, the Citadel, 
a bad FCS team, a fake military school from Charleston, South Carolina, took like a triple A, a double A bus down to Tuscaloosa. What do you think they flew? They took some bus with no air condition down to Tuscaloosa and the score at halftime was 10 to 10. And Citadel had the ball at the end of that half with a chance to take the lead coming into halftime. Don't believe me? Google it. You don't like it? Leave. Yet, I don't see Alabama dropping a no polls. You were tied at halftime to Citadel? We're not talking about North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Sam Houston State, Delaware State. We're talking about the Citadel playoffs. I didn't see anything there. Clearly, you can see how it matters for one, not for the other. Go look at it. So since he goes on the road and plays a conference opponent while Alabama stays at home versus an FCS team, and yet you can clearly see how they treat one versus the other, only three years apart. Desmond Ritter, this is where this begins for Cincinnati. Before I get into how or why, cue that molly. We're going to take some different angles here. This will be the last time I'll probably give out college picks until next year. I don't know if I'll be able to, but Tommy Bench will definitely give out anything else if indeed I can't return. Uh, But it's been a phenomenal season for the sports antidote. Is once again 43, a documented, all documented on this show and Instagram, 43 and 29. That is spectacular. And that's with having that one really, really bad week in November. But really, I mean, the Futures game has been solid. We're probably going to lose both NFL futures, and that's the last time I even get into that. But if it wasn't for all this COVID, and boy, we would have won the Saints and the Panthers, but whatever, I don't care. The Saints can still push. They'll probably end up losing to the Falcons at the end, and they'll cuck, yes, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's been a great year, and we have the Cowboy, my boy Cowboy, said he didn't like the previous Molly music. Well, I do. That's okay. We'll just take it back to one of the original ones. I'm sure the cowboy will like this one. Oh, what a good guy. So as you know, picking these games is incredibly difficult from far out because of uh, what's going on in college football. You just cannot do it. You need to stick close, and then at the end, you can make your play before, which is something we never do. But in this case, we're going to probably stick to the script on this one because there's no telling what's going to happen a week from now, like in the LSU game. Hopefully not in the playoff games. We'll see. If there is a suspension or cancellation, if there's cancellations that lead to a team actually winning because of some sort of like they have too much COVID and they can't play, uh, Troy is going to burn. Let's hope that does not happen. But let's get to the main game here on the long walk. Now, Desmond Ritter kind of reminds me of me, except not really, just in the situations. Ritter, the quarterback for Cincinnati, I like him a lot for a lot of reasons. Very stable. Difference between my team and Cincinnati, for the story purpose, is that they are completely healthy. They are extremely well coached, and Cincinnati has won every game because they are just a good football team. They They beat Indiana early when Indiana was healthy. Not saying that matters. They went to Notre Dame. They beat them. They can only play who's on their schedule, and they ran the table in the American Conference, which was down. I get it, but they deserve to be here. Most everyone would understand that. Most people would not argue that. Desmond Ritter is a conservative-type quarterback that can run. 61% completion percentage. He's not going to kill you in the air. He's wildly efficient. We're going to need him to keep this up, except he's going to have to throw in a wrinkle. Cincinnati's not going to be able to do what they typically do, 
and that is play ball control. They're going to have to take their shots, and I think they will. They've alluded to that. So is the offensive coordinator. It can't be business as usual. I don't think that's a bluff, and I don't think it's anything Nick Saban does not know. Ritter does not make mistakes. That's what's enabled Cincinnati to be as good as they are. They're a top-10 team in the turnover ratio. I can't see that lessening. I do think they win the turnover battle versus Alabama. Whoa, I'm leading up to something. They're getting a rack of points, 13 and a half. And I think I know why that number has tinkered around 13 to 13 and a half. I kind of want to wait on that, but let's keep going on why I think they're going to win. Brian Manson, know who that is? Probably not. The special teams coach for Cincinnati, one of the younger coaches in the country. He won't be there much longer. Cincinnati has the 18th best special teams in the country. It might be top five had they not given up one 106-yard kick return uh, some time ago. And I also feel when it comes to Cincinnati, their return game is equally as dangerous. Go ask the Indiana Hoosiers about that. Cincinnati's loaded with athletes. Or actually, <laughs> athletes are actually starting to take away some of the other players that may or may not start to play for Ohio State come to Cincinnati. We've never seen that. They are establishing a campground in the state of Ohio right now as a real in-state rival. And now they're moving up to the Big 12. We'll only ratchet up the intensity for that of Ohio State. They are building a program there. The deep ball for Bama. If Cincinnati can take away the deep ball ability, which is easier said than done, I easily think they stay in this game. I don't think Cincinnati is going to try to play a possession game. I think Alabama might do that more, to be honest with you, by sticking it to the ground and then try to hit him with the big play action. Cincinnati has three three defenders that will be drafted probably between the second and the third round, one of the best safeties in the country. I do feel they will be able to negate the big play. If I'm wrong about this, I'm wrong about this whole thing because it will be a route. But if they can hold Bama to these possession drives, I feel they'll be forcing turnovers. Young has gotten away with murder when he gets out the pocket as far as getting away with several just inept, just bad passes that have just found their way to the ground instead of someone's hand. Cincinnati team tends to, tends to capitalize on things like this between the special teams, between, between Ritter playing like he normally does, doesn't need to do anything extra special, maybe throw in a couple big plays, and between them keeping Alabama on the ground and away from the big play, I don't feel they can just cover the 13 and a half. I think they can win the football game. Belts, you're out of your mind. Yeah, crazy like a fox. I think Cincinnati keeps this close. I don't think it's a backdoor situation. Maybe it will be. I think they play for the win. I think this game is way closer than people think. And for that reason, we'll absolutely take the Bearcats, getting the 13 and a half on the record right now. It could change. We'll deal with that. And because we're doing that, we don't bet a dog less what? Lest we think they can win. Sprinkle a little money line there if you think I'm nuts. We'll see. Arkansas plays Penn State. This line is moving. It's at two right now. Probably going to get up to three, three and a half. Arkansas is also missing players, but will be very motivated for this game. You can't think of a scenario where Coach Pittman will not have them ready to roll in this game. Huge game for them. Penn State, four top tacklers opting out. That is a wild amount of people. Four of your top tacklers out amongst offensive linemen. I think Arkansas guts this one out. Arkansas minus the two on the record for the next play. And finally, the last play, it'll be an Instagram play, UGA versus Michigan. People are not talking about that total. It is extremely low at 45, very similar to the Clemson game yesterday. You can trip over 45 in college, although that game didn't. had its chances, too. We're not taking the over yet. We're going to watch for it. It'll be an Instagram play. Stick close to that one. So once again, quick recap, Cincinnati getting the 13 and a half, and I think they can play for the win. 
Arkansas minus the two. Get on that now. It's probably going to go up over three, three and a half. UGA versus Michigan will be an Instagram play. And like always, check the Instagram page at the Sports Antidote for any updates or additions to the board. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote today, episode number 81, The Long Walk. I hope you understood the analogy. Uh, it was a huge, uh, never will forget that, probably one of the three games I'll never forget in my life, only because we did something no one thought we could. I think Cincinnati has the opportunity to do the same thing, especially does other schools down the road that are even missing players. But I think this is a staple episode. I hope that you also take Cincinnati, Arkansas, and check the board for the other one. We'll have Bench and Bro back. We'll have some wrinkles in for the new year. Remember, I'll be on a medical leave, but your boy will be all right. Follow us at the Sports Antelope. Rate, subscribe, and review. And if we don't talk, you have a great New Year's. Keep it real, Anadotians. I'm outspoken. My language is broken into a slang, but it's just a dialect that I select when I hang. I play it cool. Because fooling is all that I'm about. Just fooling with the girlies. That's the fuck.